You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentary's Global Rankings. Hello and welcome to Nick Luck Daily, the show that brings you the latest news and the sharpest insight from around the world of horse racing. It is Wednesday the 29th of September. Tom Stanley still in for Nick who's away at Goffs and yesterday was a very busy day at the BHA. We'll deal uh, with the news that broke from there in three parts effectively. We'll also later on talk to Francois Rojo who sends out Sueza in this Sunday's Prix de l'Abbé. He's very confident about her chances. We'll also hear from trainer Tony Mullins, who sent Princess Zoe off to defend her Cadran crown yesterday. But um, first of all, and most importantly, Lee Mottasett, senior writer at the Racing Post, news breaking yesterday that trainer Johnny Farrelly has been permanently excluded from British racing after a five-day hearing with the National safeguarding panel. Lee, what do we know? We don't know a huge amount, Tom. That's as it should be, given Johnny Farrelly, the trainer at the centre of all this, has lodged an appeal that was confirmed by the National Trainers Federation in a short quote from Johnny Farrelly last night. Um, in effect, what, what we do know is that Johnny Farrelly has been banned from horse racing for a minimum of seven years under safeguarding re- regulations, which relate to to matters of concern regarding um, behaviour or actions with uh, children, with young adults, with with vulnerable people. Um, Johnny would have been uh, at the centre of an investigation by the the BHA itself, based on reports that were made confidentially um, to the BHA. But that then was processed at a hearing by the National Safeguarding Panel, which is a body completely separate of the BHA they found Farley to be in breach of six offences under their Regulation 4, which details prohibited conduct with young persons and adults at risk. So we, we, we don't know um, really a huge amount, Tom. So Farley has lodged an appeal. I think what we can say is that safeguarding has to be of the, the utmost importance at the moment. It's, it's a word that probably wasn't heard until a few years ago. It's heard regularly now. It was, it was referenced um, not that long ago when the BHA was moving to uh, improve the system whereby apprentices get paid uh, and their relationship with trainers financially. This is clearly on a different level uh, to that. I just think it was interesting, Tom, to, to, to look back a couple of years ago when the BHA enhanced its safeguarding structures and they they made a point there of saying in a in their in their new rules and regulations where in a particular case it is determined by the bha whether as a result of a report or otherwise that a person poses a risk of harm to one or more young persons or adults at risk the matter will be dealt with in accordance with the bha safeguarding regulations this may result in a temporary suspension order until the matter is determined and should it be found that wrongdoing has occurred, disciplinary orders up to and including a lifetime ban from racing. Now that clearly sets the, the level um, of what sort of punishment an individual could expect for this sort of, uh, this 
this sort of case. Faraday has received a seven-year ban. That would then be reassessed should he wish to apply after seven years. I say at the moment, though, Tom, we don't really know in detail what he's done. That is as it should be. That may change in time once the appeal has been heard. But I think regardless of this specific case, it is encouraging and it is positive that the governing body is taking safeguarding seriously. And this clearly shows that to be the case. Yes, and um, what you read out there was was part of point four of the, the regulations. He was also found guilty on um, one charge at point six, all persons subject to investigation under these BHA safeguarding regula- regulations or who may otherwise be asked to assist with any such investigation must cooperate with the authorities or its appointees' investigation. Suggestion that um, Mr Ferry ha- hasn't been entirely cooperative. Um, it's worth pointing out that in a statement from the NTF on behalf of Farrelly, he said, I intend to appeal against today's findings and he would also like it to be known that a police investigation concluded with no charges in relation to my conduct so the police Lee were involved yeah absolutely um and it is I think right and proper that Johnny Farrelly has made that clear in his statement to the NTF it obviously will raise more questions in people's heads as to what this is about they will say well the police have investigated this and done nothing why is the National Safeguarding Panel and then the BHA taking a different view? I think you could waste hours of time at the moment, though, asking questions about it because we just don't know the answers. As I say, we shouldn't know the answers at the moment. I'm not one of these people who say that this should all be out in the public domain. It shouldn't be, certainly because Farrell is appealing, but also because if there are uh, young people involved, vulnerable people involved, then their rights have to be um, considered a priority. So we we don't know at the minute what's happened. I think we can just talk in general terms about it and say in general terms, Tom, I think it's very positive that safeguarding is being taken seriously. Also part of the BHA safeguarding regulations, uh, 0.4.1b, it is not necessary for the conduct to take place in the context of racing activities. Um, For example, if any person is convicted or cautioned or charged with any offence that concerns harm to one or more young persons or adults at risk, whether or not those young persons or adults at risk participate in racing, that may form basis of action under the BHA safeguarding regulations. So uh, there isn't necessarily a suggestion that any offence took place within the context of racing activities. And it's also worth pointing out, Lee, that this isn't the first time Johnny Farrelly's name has come up as part of an investigation. There was a report in The Guardian in February of this year that details had begun to emerge of a complaint being made about the trainer Johnny Farrelly after a verbal exchange at Utoxeter in 2019. Although important to stress that in this current case, There is no reference whatsoever to that alleged incident back in 2019. And I also wanted to mention, uh, Lee, that that came out in the the Chris Cook piece, um, race-wise, and the fact that Tim Naylor had said it was a result of the brave actions of these people reporting concerns via the Sports Confidential Race-Wise reporting line that we have been able to successfully bring this case to a conclusion is race wise something you have come across and been aware of in the past yeah no it it was um and i think i think tim is right to 
to say what he does there in relation to that. Um, Tim, the BHA Director of Integrity and Regulation. Um, I think he's right because it can take enormous bravery um, for people to speak out, even when those people themselves are the direct victims of bad behavior. Um, we should never forget that in this industry in particular, there are an awful lot of young people who are um, entering a work environment with very little life experience behind them. A lot of the people going into horse racing yards will not have gone through further education. They won't have attended university. They'll be going straight in from school. Um, and it is therefore imperative that the sport ensures that young people are treated properly by the adults um, who are employing them, who are working with them. Um, and I'm sure in the vast majority of cases that the, the, the relationships, the actions, the behavior between the, 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 the adults, if you like, in those relationships and the young people is perfectly uh, proper as it should be responsible and with, 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 with care and consideration given at all times. But that clearly won't be the case all the time because there are good people and there are not so good people. Um, and it is imperative that those young people who might not be being treated properly have the confidence to speak out for obvious reasons. It won't always be possible or appropriate for them to make direct criticisms or complaints to the people involved and therefore to have a third party where they can make confidential, um, confidential, uh, uh, confidential claims, um, accusations, uh, express their concerns and express their fears is a very good thing. And this shows that system to being used and that it can have um, uh, successful outcomes. Also from High Holborn yesterday, Lee, um, as pointed out by your colleague, Chris Cook, in the Racing Post, there is mystery surrounding the departure of the BHA's head of integrity, Chris Watts. Uh, he's been in that position for the last four years, but no more, Lee. No, a mystery surrounding his departure, but there's been I think, mystery surrounding Chris Watts um, for quite a long time now. As Chris points out in his piece, um, there had been rumours for some time that Chris Watts um, wasn't uh, either in his role or doing his job at the BHA for whatever reason. The BHA, whenever those rumours were put to the organisation, they declined to comment. Um, and what's interesting now is that Chris points out a BHA official confirmed Watts is no longer employed by the regulator, but declined to offer any further comment as to the reasons for his departure or to reflect on the service he had provided. So Chris Watts isn't even getting uh, a quote that says, you know, the BHA thanks him for his service over many years, um, believes he did a marvellous job and sends him best wishes for the future. There's none of that. There's no carriage clock taking place here. Um, Tom, Chris had a, a very senior role. Um, looking back to the Racing Post cutting cyber, he's not someone who we reported on widely over his time at the BHA. That's perhaps understandable given, given the job he is doing. Um, but I think when someone leaves an organisation like this and there is pretty much public silence from the organisation that person is leading, it does raise questions in one's head and there are certainly questions i think regarding the departure of chris watts it will be interesting if the bha doesn't want to say anything about his time 
at the BHG if Chris Watts in turn decides to speak out himself. Yeah, absolutely. And he's not the first person in that, that or during his tenure to, to leave that department. There's, there's a, a suggestion from uh, Chris Cook in, in the piece that uh, where he says it revives a theme of personal change within the integrity department. Do we think there's a department, departmental issue there? Well, I don't know, because obviously I'm not within the department, nor, nor do I have direct access um, to the, part, the department. I think certainly there have been questions raised about how that integrity function is carried out at the BHA and whether in recent years there have been changes to how they, for example, um, deal with, with rumours, with complaints, with suspicions. Um, I know there are some who feel that um, maybe as, the, as an organisation, it has moved away from um, looking at inside information and, and from, from suspicions that, that people might put forward about other individuals and takes the view that unless there is absolute 100% confidence that a conviction uh, can be made, um, then that they, they maybe would be reluctant to, to enter into any sort of deep investigation or, 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 um, or accusations. Um, but they're, they're just rumours that, that, that swirl around. I think what, what is absolutely clear is that people have left the organisation. Chris cites Adam Brickell, uh, Jamie Steele, although he went back, back home to Australia for a very good job with Racing Victoria, Nicola McDermott. So plenty of people have left that organisation. Um, and um, it will be interesting to see what happens now because the point is made uh, within the piece that the, the actual role that Chris Watts has held, that in itself, that role is now part of a wider review of positions within the BHA. And perhaps um, it links to the next thing we're going to be talking about as well, Tom, the finances of the BHA. Yeah, um, the, the, the BHA confirmation, they made an operating loss of £1 million last year during the coronavirus pandemic. Um, the consensus now, Lee, is that um, everything's back on track. Is there a sense, do we think that a loss is not a good thing, but it could have been worse? Yeah, I suppose that, 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 that is fair, uh, Tom. Clearly, we're, we're talking about finances over a year that had no precedent. Um, the the ex explanation um, for the loss is pretty much that there was no racing for a significant period of 2020 and most of the BHA's income comes from from actual racing taking place comes from race courses and from owners so I think that is a, a fair explanation for that financial position what has followed it and what perhaps has also followed a new person coming into the the big chair at BHA Judy Harrington taking over from Nick Rust is that there has been um, another assessment of the BHA's running costs. Um, and I think that, that staffing has been um, uh, a factor in that. We have read in the last year or so, in fact, less than that, of some senior significant personnel leaving the BHA. With every person that leaves an organisation, there will be individual matters at hand there. And we often don't know what those individual matters are, but some senior people who would have been on significant salaries have left the organisation. I suppose that will help to bring down the cost, but it does also raise the question of if you're losing good people, you're also losing the good work that they did. And um, ultimately only time will tell if that was um, a good thing to do or not. 
Right. Horses now looking Horses. ahead. Yes. Um, it's a, it's a big weekend for, for France, of course, with the Prix de la Triomphe meeting and half leading up their, their challenge as far as all the races goes is Francois Rojo's Sueza, who will run in the Abbey. I spoke to him a little bit earlier on asking how she was. She, she's perfect. She's in great form. I think she is better than ever. Um, can you reflect on the, the nun thought? What did you make of her run there? Uh, we had a bad draw and uh, some ground was probably a bit too firm for her. And uh, we knew that uh, all the horses with big draw numbers uh, during the, all the meetings, uh, they couldn't run well. So it's, it's a shame that's all. And we forgot it, and uh, but she came back well, and uh, we are happy with her. And looking at um, looking at the Abbey, you, you've said all along, really, this has been her big target for the season, right? Yes, of course. It's, uh, it's the only big race in France for the horses. So uh, she's at home. She must show she she can win it. That's it. That's it. And she's had. Um, She's had quite a few runs now this season, and and for you, and and now she's had a, a bit of a break before or between York and, and and Longchamp. Are you happy with that that distance in the in the races? Yes, yes. It, uh, she had uh, she needed a bit uh, for rest after after York, and she, we gave it to her. And uh, the last two works were perfect, and uh, she's in in great shape. Who is going to ride, Francois? Do you know? Olivier is going to ride her. In France, it's Olivier. In the UK, it's William. Conditions-wise, are you are you praying for for rain? It looks as though you're you're likely to to no, have have uh, some soft ground. I don't worry about uh, the the ground. Uh, they expect rain on Sunday morning, but really, I, I'm not worried about that. Lee, he seems pretty confident, does uh, as Francois, and uh, Sueza looks to have a leading chance. He was keen to point out that a lot about York didn't suit. Yeah, and I think that's absolutely right. Um, I, I think we saw the real Sueza um, when she was so dominant in her victory at Glorious Goodwood. She'd been disappointing, I think, or not not as good on her two pre on her visits to Britain either side of that uh, effort at Royal Ascot, and then at York most recently. Um, I think when she's on her best form, she's clearly extremely smart. She has been untouchable when she's raced in France. And I think she absolutely does set the standard for a pre de la Bay that we don't know yet, Tom, because we're speaking now early on uh, Wednesday morning. The, the, next, the, the first proper forfeit stage will take place later on today, so we'll have a better idea of the field then. But the suspicion is that it might not be as strong as some of the Group 1 sprints that have taken place this season. And I think Swayze uh, is at the moment the, the very deserved favourite. And there's a really good well, matchups probably overdoing it. There's more than just two horses in the race, but um, potential matchup between Trushan and Princess Zoe, last year's Cadram winner. Uh, we know now, Lee, that James Doyle will ride Trushan because Holly Doyle um, was not successful in her appeal against a seven-day ban, and um, he'll be bidding to lower the, the lower the colours of the current champion, Princess Zoe, for Tony Mullins. Yeah, um, Tom, I have to say that generally, although I'm I'm, I'm very fortunate, I, I, I've worked Art Weekend the last few years. I'm always there on the Saturday at Longchamp, where the Pre Pre de Cadre has 
most recent years been the height of that card. There's been occasions when it's been moved on to Arc Day itself, but generally the card round nowadays takes place on the Saturday. And it has always felt like one of the most forgettable and uninspiring Group 1s in the European pattern, so much so that the British Champions Long Distance Cup that takes place a couple of weeks later as a Group 2 is generally more interesting than the Cadran. This season, however, we could have a pre-Ducadran to be all previous pre-Ducadrans. It looks a belter because you mentioned Princess Zoe and Trushan. We could also have the 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 absolute superstar celebrity stayer Stradivarius, um, who it appears uh, from what John Gosden has been saying this week is on course for the pre Ducadra. Now this is I was I was treading carefully around that because of what had happened what's what's likely to well, happen weather wise. Go, yes, exactly. Now, so, yes. So the, the ground is 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 the is the concern. So John has been saying that the plan, the intention is to run Stradivarius in the pre Ducadran. There is, however, rain forecast for Paris. The problem is we we can't have confidence as yet on when the rain is going to arrive. It seems that they're saying that the rain, the significant rain is going to come towards the end of the week, Sunday, Saturday, might even go into next Monday. So at this point, we don't know. The ground is certainly already on the soft side of good um, at at Longshore. It's probably going towards soft already. Um, But we do know that Stradivarius has winning form on soft ground, his PB performance, a one-two-five racing post rating, came in the Gold Cup over two and a half miles at Ascot last year on soft ground. He can go on soft ground. Um, he didn't perform particularly well on 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 soft ground at Longchamp last season in the Prix de Lac de Triomphe. That would be um, a concern. But if he did happen to go uh, against Trushan and Princess Zoe, we really would have a mouth-watering contest. I suppose for for the, those the two British horses in particular, their connections will know that there is always that race at Ascot two weeks after. So if for whatever reason the ground dried up in Paris this week, Alan King would have that as an option. If it got particularly soft as the week goes on, John Gosden and Thady Gosden have that as an option. But I think as racing fans, we have to hope that the ground allows both horses to race against each other and to race against Princess Zoe, who was so magnificent uh, in the Cadran 12 months ago. Yeah, here's Tony Mullins uh, telling us, first of all, that Princess Zoe has left for France. Yeah, she left here yesterday and um, she's gone uh, on the board on a single journey. So she doesn't touch uh, Britain as she you know, did last year. Just a single journey from Maryland straight to France. So it's it's a longer journey, but it's a single one where, you know, last year we stayed overnight in England in between. So we felt that the single journey might work better. Um, I mean, interesting, because that said, obviously, it worked pretty well last year. Um, what what What's the main reason for, for changing it a year on? Well, just, you know, uh, all the hassle with Brexit and, district veterinary officers and that having to inspect and going through uh, England. There's just so much hassle now and, you know, maybe the danger of, of queuing down in Dover, they can put hours on us and that. So we just, you know, we're, we're cutting that out. Mm. Um, right, how is she a, a year on? Because we, we've talked before about how you've you've had to campaign her differently this year because, you know, she's... She didn't start the season a, a 70-odd rated handicapper. So so what yeah. difference is a year on, Tony? Well, I mean, 
um, we started, you know, I started her early because, you know, she likes to cut in the ground. So we started in March um, and April there. We had two runs. Now, I got an awful shock when she ran ordinary in Cork. And I just wondered, you know, was our mare gone and was it just one lucky season? And then we went to Gorn for a listed race, and absolutely very, very good listed race. And uh, I knew she ran a blinder, and then I was really excited. I knew we were back on track and uh, going to Royal Ascot. We were quite hopeful, even though she was a complete outsider. And, uh, you know, she did brilliant finish second. Then we decided that the Cadran was our next object and um, objective so you know that's what we've done and a little disappointed that we weren't in Goodwood you know when the ground turned up soft mm. and uh, we got a lovely run in the Curra then against uh, Joseph O'Brien's Melbourne Cup winner finishing second so um, you know our, our preparation has gone perfect and I hear now that Trushan is travelling and uh, more than we're relishing the, the match more than fearing him um, um, the, I, I suppose what's what's interesting is well we, we seem to know what ground Trushan is likely to want what what what, what does your mare want ideally Tony she'll travel she'll race on anything and show her best on any given day but you know her confirmation is not the best um and I'd say she had a lot of uh, running on firm ground in Germany before we got her. And, uh, it, it, you know, it, it shows a little bit of wear and tear. So I wouldn't ask her to run on good to firm again. It accidentally happened in Royal Ascot because we were promised the rain right up to an hour before the race. It never came. And as you know, it lashed rain straight after the rain. Mm. And there was an inspection the next day. But, you know, she she acted well on the ground but I did notice the wear and tear on her when she came home and we have made a definite decision not to run her on good to firm again and it wasn't our intention in the first place but uh, it just happened that way if you remember that day in Royal Ascot they kept promising us the rain all day and it didn't happen and have you given Joey instructions to whatever happens, make sure it's, he makes it just as exciting as last year? <laughs> because it, was, it couldn't have been more exciting. Well, I think that, um, you know, our thing is to win first, whatever about mm-hmm. excitement. But, um, you know, it was fantastic last year, the way she was wearing him down, wearing him down, and just nabbed him in the last 50 yards. But... Um, you know, I, I, I didn't, one thing you must remember, this is a much better race this year. But I believe our filly, unbelievably, has improved a lot in the year as well. But it has to be remembered now that this is a much better race this year than last year's Peter Cadron. So she'll have to be on her A game, but we believe she is. And notable lead there that... Um... He didn't mention Stradivarius. He he he's he's concerned or looking forward to taking on Trusham, but no mention of, of Stradivarius. Stronger race this year, Tony points out. Yeah, and it and it, it is a stronger race. It 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 almost certainly will be a stronger race, even if we don't get all 
uh, if we don't get both true Shannon and Stradivarius, because one of those two uh, would make it a stronger race. And almost certainly we are going to get at least one of those two. If we happen to get both of them taking on Princess Zoe, then we have a fabulous uh, Prix de Cadre on a card that also has the, the Group 1 Prix de Rallye, um for, for Feliz and Mares. That should be a, a fantastic race. And the Sun Chariot at Newmarket on the same day, Tom, uh, looks like a mouth-watering contest this season. So although on, on Saturday we are all excitedly looking forward to what happens at 3.05pm British time on Sunday in the Prix de la de Triomphe, the Saturday is actually um, building up to be a really smashing day of racing across Longchamp, Newmarket, Ascot, Redcar and elsewhere. Right, you can um, send us away with a tip if you don't mind, Lee. Yes, I shall send you away with a tip, Tom. Um, I'm going to go to Kempton uh, this evening, the six o'clock, the mansion bet beaten by a head handicap. I hope Tiger Crusade will not be beaten by a head. Jamie Spencer rise. Jamie gave one of his really special Spencer performances to win the Cambridge on Saturday. Not quite such a a lucrative pot here. He's teaming up with his old mate and ally, David Simcock. And I think Tiger Crusade could win for them in the six o'clock at Kempton. Lee, lovely stuff. Thank you very much indeed. Nick, we'll be back tomorrow. No doubt plenty of reports from lots of money spent at the Goffs Orby sales. Very expensive um, Galileo filly that went yesterday. And uh, thanks very much for your company over the last couple of days. Please rate, please review, and of course, subscribe. Bye for now. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.